Welcome inside the Mississippi Salute Podcast. I am your host, Ray Coleman. I serve as the Director of Communications here at Mississippi Veterans Affairs. and We thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we have a great guest for you today. Um, if you've been joining us in the past, then you know the format. If you're just now joining us for the first time, we greatly appreciate you first and foremost. Uh, but just kind of want to give you a background on what it is that we do. We tell great stories. That's one part of it. So you're going to hear from heroes from uh, many generations. We've had a couple of World War II veterans on. Um, you're also going to hear about the programs, the programs that we promote our very mission here to serve America's heroes and their families. So you're going to hear about how you can file a claim, um, how you can apply for residency in our veterans' homes, our veterans' memorial cemeteries. We're going to talk about all of that on this podcast. But today uh, we're going to focus on on one of our board members, a veteran, um, and just honestly, a, a, a good human being, right? Um, a, a good human being of service, uh, but also just understanding the big picture of what it means to truly serve. She is Miss Deborah Wally Coleman. Um, she serves on our board. How long have you been on our board, by the way? Um, I got appointed in 2012. 2012, mm-hmm. 2012. So over 10 years on our Mississippi Veterans Affairs Board. Um, you know, when, I've, I've known Mrs. Coleman, by the way, before I joined this agency, um, and, and I can just tell you she's a she's a great spirit to be around, uh, but also a great leader to learn from along the way as well. So I thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Ray. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a few nuggets and tidbits about you, but I'm not going to act like I know the entire <laughs> library or encyclopedia um, of, of, of what it is that you've done, uh, not just for this state, but for our nation. Um, here's what I have. You correct me you know, along the way as, as you see fit. Okay. Um, retired Colonel of the Mississippi National Guard, mm-hmm. right, 27 years of service. Yep. Good so far. Um, my favorite part, a graduate of the University of Southern, Southern Mississippi. Mississippi. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Both of us are, by the way. Um, master's, de- master's degree from Bellhaven University in Business Administration um, and currently serves um, in our Joint Legislative Budget Office. Now, I could go down the list of her military service, and we're going to get into that. Obviously, we're going to let her talk about that. Uh, But that alone should let you know um, the accomplishments, the dedication, and the experience that she brings to the table. Um, We're going to start off early life. Kind of give me an idea. Where are you from? Um, What was life like for you growing up? Um, Are you from Mississippi? I never asked you that, by the way. Are you from Mississippi? I am originally from Mississippi. I grew up in Perry County down in South Mississippi. Uh, Went to Perry Central uh, High School. Well. And then after that, um, went to Jones Junior College, got an AA there, then transferred to USM. And so I was a graduate of USM. Um, After I graduated from USM, I moved to Mobile. Okay. And I was a merchandising trainee with JCPenney's. So worked there in Mobile, got promoted to the Biloxi store. And then from there, um, I interviewed for a couple of full-time military jobs okay. in, at the RCTA in Meridian. That's the Regional Calendar Training Academy. Gotcha. And so I became the training officer there. I was a logistics officer first, and then I became the training officer. And then, um, and then uh, moved to Jackson to gotcha. get married. <laughs> so... <laughs> I got you, got you. Um, so I've been in Jackson ever since. And so, um, so yeah, so I've, that's where I started my full-time military career there sure. and then retired here in the Jackson area. I've asked all the guests this, um, all the guests we've had thus far veterans. Um, why was it important for you 
uh, to serve? Was that something that you always wanted to do from when you were a, a child? Or was that something that as you got older, that became a desire for you? Well, actually, it's a family thing. Okay. My dad was in the guard. My uncle was in the military. Um, my brother was in the in the military. So, and then I have a twin sister. And so, um, you know, we didn't have much money growing up. So we actually got in the military to help us with money for college. Gotcha. But then after that, it's the camaraderie that you have within the units mm-hmm. that makes you want to stay. And so, um, of course, I got in uh, as a buck private. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, me and my sister, and we got in um, at the 114th ASG in Hattiesburg back when it was still there. And so um, a couple of years later, decided that I wanted to go to OCS. And so I went to OCS uh, down at Camp Shelby, uh, got my commission that way, mm-hmm. and just just stayed in just it's just you know um it's the camaraderie it's it's the people yeah the guard the military are some of the hardest working people you'll ever find <laughs> and, and uh, every organization will say that about the people they're in i say that about the elbow that the organization sure. i'm in right sure. now um and then especially after you're deployed you know i was in desert shield desert storm mm-hmm. and then i was in operation iraqi freedom so um you really uh, 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 mesh yeah. you know with your unit uh, you'll see all kinds of people you'll meet all kinds of people it's just it's, it's it was a great organization to be in and i felt like i was giving something yeah. i was a part of something that was bigger than me you know i, I wasn't um I was there to, to help people. I was there to help our country yeah. um, because we have the greatest country in the world. We do. And and I just, you know, I, I, I do miss it. People ask me, do you miss being in the Guard after you retired? I was like, well, yeah, it was 27 years of my life. Of course I miss <laughs> it, you know. And my late husband was uh, also, he was Special Forces, and he was in for, I think, about 25 years yeah. before he yes, ma'am. before he died. Yeah. Awesome, so. awesome. awesome. <clears throat> you mentioned um, – those relationships is one of the things that every veteran that I've interviewed on this podcast, they always focus on those relationships. The, um, the most recent interview I did with a world war II veteran, Mr. Tony Provenza, he mentioned how at 19 and 18 years old for the first time, he was leaving Greenville, Mississippi. He was training with the Marines in California. And that was the first time he had met people from California, New York. Um, I think he said someone from Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So, we're talking about these people that come from all over your country. And then next thing you know, you are deployed. If you're Mr. Provenza in this case, you're deployed to the other side of the world. Uh, for you, when you talk about Desert Storm and Desert Shield, what is that like for you um, to be from Mississippi and then within a matter of years, months, whatever it was for you, you are deployed into another part of the world. What, like, give the, the the listener at home an idea of what that's like to be removed from your culture, immersed in a totally different part of the world. Oh goodness, it's a, it's a, a eye opening. It's a shocker. Yeah, it's primitive lifestyle. You know, um, so. All right, so you, you leave uh, Mississippi, and we, we went over to Fort Stewart, and that's our MOBE site. And there you're with your, your unit, then you're there with other units, yeah. everybody training, getting ready to go over and all this kind of stuff. So it's a whole um, hodgepodge 
a mesh of different people, different lifestyles, different personalities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and But everybody's there with a common goal, a common mission, and that's to train up, get ready to go overseas. And so when you go overseas, you're there still with those same, um, a same a whole array of different people, different relationships, different backgrounds. And um, you're, but you're there with the same mission and you're there working together, Yeah, you know, because um, going over there when we did, everything was very primitive. You know, you were intense, you know, toilet was a wooden box, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, everybody experienced the same thing and everybody just came together. Um, That's what, I guess, when you build relationships like that, when everybody comes together for a common cause, whether it's to... To help people, whether it's, it's something from trauma, whether it's 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 a project you're working on, you know, you just you just come together and it all meshes and it all works. So yeah, yeah. leadership. Um, I think it's important that we harp on that. You know, I'm not speaking out of out of out of turn when I say uh, the military is typically um, a male um, driven thing, right? It, it, it's it's heavily populated by men. Um, you obviously are a woman, but we're talking in the leadership side, that's an even smaller uh, population, even smaller demo, if, if mm-hmm. you will. Let me read off some of some of Mrs. Coleman's accomplishments so y'all get an idea of, of what I mean by this. Um, platoon leader with the 786 Transportation Company, that's what she's talking about with Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Um, leadership positions with the 150th uh, Battalion, Quartermaster Battalion, that is, a Meridian, uh, Company Commander with the 106th Support Battalion out of Monticello, Operation Iraqi Freedom. We're talking, you know, multiple, multiple leadership positions within the National Guard. Um, and I think we need to focus on that. As, as, a, as a woman leader in the military, did you find it difficult at any time when you looked around to say, um, I have to prove that I'm better? I have to um, I have to make sure that I'm on top of my game at all times. And if so, did you feel any added pressure in that? Oh, yes, uh, because you are female in a male-dominated occupation world, sure. military world. Oh, yeah. yeah. I felt like I had to <clears throat> work harder, mm-hmm. um, definitely um, be at, be everywhere that I could be to to, to perform um, the mission and—, and um, and I lead by example. Mm-hmm. So that's been my my slogan for years and years yes, is ma'am. to lead by example because if I'm out there with my soldiers, um, then I want to know what they're doing and I want to know that it's safe for them. And so, um, but yeah, it's talking about women in leadership, but yes, you know, I've, I've worked hard, I've worked my ass off to, to get... Uh, to get promoted and I've, I've had to, to, to ask for things that a male wouldn't ask for, sure. you know? And so, but it worked for me, you know, uh, I, I, today's, today's military seems to be a little bit more, um, relaxed or more open exce- to the idea. Right. More accepting yeah. of females and all that. Yes, ma'am. And, um, and that's great. That's wonderful. But yeah, I remember, yeah, I had to, to, to me, you know, I had to be there first thing in the morning, the last one to leave, you know, that type of deal, you know, um, to prove that even though I was a female, I could handle the job. One thing I tell 
I tell women now, don't be afraid to hold the hard jobs. Because they'll think they'll like, oh, you're a female. That's going to be too hard for you. No, it's not. No, it's not. Give me a chance. Wow. So, so I was, um, I was giving a speech to a, a, a leadership, a, a woman's leadership um, class a couple of months back, and they asked me for what is a piece of advice you would give us, and I told them, I said, don't be afraid to hold the hard jobs. To me, every time I think of of your career path, your professional career path, your your military career path, it's all based around service, right? You could have easily retired from the military and said, I'm done with it. I've I've done my part, right? I've made sure that this country remains free. I can go now and, and enjoy the fruits of my labor. You made it a point to serve on our board, like you said, over 10 years. Um, why is that? Why did you want to continue to serve and make sure that Mississippi's veterans are taken care of, you know, for the long haul? Well, that's a good question. You know, why do I continue to serve on this board? Because I believe in this board. And also, um, I've seen it expand, you know, beyond the the, the, the homes. You know, I've seen it expand uh, uh to the colleges and universities, to the younger veterans, you know. We've got a lot of younger veterans now, you know, coming back from um, um, all the the different deployments overseas, and I want them to not get overlooked. Sure. Because they're still classified as a veteran, whether they're in a home or whether they're at a university going to school, drawing benefits and all that. Um, And they they need to understand that their services are here also for them. So... That's why I just want to make sure that everybody's covered, you know, because we are getting younger and, you know, we are, we are. I mean, the veterans are getting younger, not not me, but the (laughs) veterans are getting younger. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Colonel Deborah Wally Coleman of the Mississippi National Guard, retired colonel um, here on the Mississippi Salute podcast. We have talked about her upbringing. We have talked about her military service. We've talked about her Mississippi VA Veterans Affairs Board service. Now let's talk about your everyday service that you give to us now um, on the state level in in terms of the Joint Legislative Budget Office. Um, Big name, big job. Uh, For for the listener, explain what your day-to-day roles and responsibilities look like from, from elbow. What we do at Elbow is we plan the budget for the state. So um, yearly, uh, all the state agencies submit budget requests to Elbow, and we analyze those budget requests, and we uh, formulate uh, a plan for the Joint Legislative Budget Committee. And they come in, and that basically um, starts off the legislative budget recommendation that mm-hmm. we go into session with. And so that's what we do. We, we And then when we get into session, um, both sides uh, view or review the, the recommendations and they make their own recommendations. And then, um, and then we do the appropriation bills. And so, and then state starts off one July with the new budgets. <laughs> <laughs> And, and just to just to give you all an idea of how dialed in she is, uh, before we started this interview, she was already in 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 game mode, if you will. As, as you know, when we're talking about the legislative session, this is starting to become the busiest time of the year. Um, and for Mrs. Coleman, it's it's definitely the busiest time of the year. But she was dialed in. She was already talking about bills, um, starting to drop, as they say. Um, so it's one of those things that she is definitely keeping an eye on, um, which. By the way, we appreciate you taking a minute just to spend some time with us because we do recognize that this is a busy time of the year for you. Um, 
My next question for you, and there's no wrong answer for this. Um, I don't care how you answer it. What's the proper way to, to honor a veteran? You know, we hear so many people say, you know, make sure you, you thank a veteran or make sure that you uh, take the time out to honor a veteran. In your opinion, what what ways, what methods can can we, the American people, um, properly honor America's heroes? Parades are fun. Parades are nice. But discounts are nice and all that. But to me... A simple thank you yeah. is 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 all I need because I just want to feel like I'm not forgotten. Yeah. I know that. No, that, <laughs> that's a simple way, but that's 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 it. <laughs> it's it's so important. It's the reason we started this podcast. Um, so stories can be told from the World War II generation, so their stories are not forgotten. Um, I've heard that answer many times. I've heard Mr. Provenza and Mr. Smith say. They don't even need a thank you. When they walk around every day, the idea of seeing this nation free, mm-hmm. that's the payoff. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so so there are children can grow up and not be scared of everything that's going to be bombed or somebody, you know, whatever. We, yeah. you know, but, but, but to that point, you know, for someone like myself that has never left this country, we don't know what it's like in Iraq, we don't know what it's like in Kuwait. You know, we don't know what it's like in these foreign lands that we see on television that you all come back and tell us about. We literally know about it through media and through your stories. So that's why I think it's so important. One, that we know that we know from someone that we can sit down with and talk to what it's really like outside of this nation so we can get a better idea of, of what to be appreciative for. Um, that's why I asked that question, because even though the perspective may be different from, from yourself and from a World War II veteran or a Vietnam War veteran, it's all the same. It comes back to the idea of people having these freedoms and, and where they come mm-hmm. from. So I appreciate you answering that. Um, my last question is always the hardest, always the hardest, because I don't give you any parameters. What did I not ask you that you want to add, that you want to talk about, that you want to mention? This is your opportunity to kind of take over the show if you want to with is there something that I didn't ask you that you want to make a point to put on record? You know, something that's always in the back of my mind. Somebody, uh, somebody asked me this question one time. They said, <clears throat> what is the greatest title that you ever held okay. or ever had? Or, and I said, well, I thought about it. I said, there's two, actually. One is mother. Hmm. I have two wonderful boys. And the other is veteran. Wow. And I've just, I've all, that has always stuck in the back of my mind. So <laughs> <laughs> That might be the best answer I've had to that question. Um, she is retired Colonel Deborah Coleman, Mississippi National Guard veteran, 27 years of service. She's our board member, so she's ours. That's why I keep saying ours. She is ours, truly. Um, and she's yours, too, because she served this great nation. We thank you for joining us here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast. This has been uh, Thank great, you, Ray. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it. Listen, um, for you all listening to us, we appreciate you. If you are a veteran, family member of a veteran, or you simply know a veteran, make sure that you share this following information, www.msva.ms.gov. You go there, you can find out more about our services, our programs, those things that are beneficial to you, the veteran. Right. Um, also, check us out on social media. MS Veterans Affairs is how you find us on Facebook at MS Vets Affairs on Twitter. MS Veterans Affairs with an S 
on Instagram. So that's with an S at the end for Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there. We're always updating you with the latest information, whether it be from us or whether it be from our federal partners at the United States Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, volunteer organizations, you name it. If it's beneficial for you, we will share it there. Um, it's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. So not looking to, to you know plug anything, just the things that are beneficial to you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I absolutely did. I'm Ray Coleman, once again, Director of Communications for Mississippi Veterans Affairs, and you have been listening to the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Until next time, see you.